Welcome to God's Glorious Grace, a podcast from Hope Church Harrogate, where we are asking the question, have we really understood the grace of God? We're taking a deep dive into Ephesians chapter 1, considering a phrase of that chapter in each episode, and asking first what it teaches us about God, and second, how that affects our lives, hopefully with a good dose of warmth and fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. learning how to be shameless in the good way, I think has been a journey that I've been on and I'm still on uh, because of this lavishness of grace. Welcome back to our next episode of God's Glorious Grace. Uh, We have recently gone back down into lockdown in the UK as we're recording this. So we are back on Zoom, no longer in the room together. which you will pick up, I'm sure, when someone makes a joke, but you only get a moment of the laugh because (laughs) Zoom still thinks that it should be listening to the person who made the joke. Uh, But we're really glad to have you with us, just as we're glad to be back together. Today, we are taking in uh, a word, but a word that's part of a bigger phrase. So this is titled lavished, which is in verse eight of Ephesians chapter one. But the words around it are really important as always. Uh, And so Mark and Rachel, who are with me, as always, on Zoom. Hello, guys. Hi, everybody. Just a little test for Zoom as we start. Uh, We are going to read this in context, and then we are going to get into the good old discussion of what it tells us about God. So, Mark, please, could you read something around the word lavished in Ephesians chapter 1? (laughs) <laughs> okay, we're we're gonna go from um verse seven through to the end of verse ten, and we're reading again from the New International Version. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfilment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Wonderful. Oh, I've looked back up from my Bible and Rachel's put her headset on. (laughs) I might help with the sound, I don't know. (laughs) Well, we will find out. Um, great. So we're really taking in this concept of um, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. This is, uh, we will, I'm sure, stray off of it. But really, the, the center of this is the measure with which God's grace is given. So we've spent 10 episodes. This is episode 10 talking about the grace of God, how glorious it is, all its different aspects. And this one allows us to get into the measure of his grace. And so we're going to start with an easy one. This is a softball question. What does the word lavished mean? Okay, so for me, I find this interesting because I always thought it was like a switch, like it's either on or off, like like God's, you get God's grace or you don't. And the concept of lavished to me means that there is an amount that's 
that you can have, like, it's not just a little bit, but it can be poured out and poured out and poured out that it's, it's infinite and it keeps coming, which to me is a much more dynamic idea than just, I've got his grace or I've not got his grace, but there's actually something that he is constantly giving that to me completely changes how I think about it. I I don't know whether it's Christmas or it's just my personal delight in food, but I have to say when I think of lavish, I I think in a couple of dimensions, I think of uh, an amount. So something that is uh, perhaps extraordinary more than I could really and should really eat. I think also something um, that has a quality and a taste to it that is extraordinary, like my Mary Berry Christmas cake that I made uh, this year, which I have to say, it didn't last as long as I'd like it to last. But it was it was lavish. It, it was made for about 17, 18 people. Um, but because of lockdown, it was just two of us. Um, and it managed to get through the first week. And that was about it. But I just uh, so so for me, it is both that issue of of extreme amount, but also a richness, a depth, a breadth to it, a quality that is also something like like eating triple triple double cream if that was a thing that's that 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 extraordinary it's lavish it's it, it's going beyond what would normally uh be expected so it it it's beyond excellent it, it goes it breaks through the barriers that we know so are you saying you can't be lavished in pickles if that's a passion to you i suppose <laughs> you could be lavished in pickles <laughs> <laughs> Yes. About it as a quality thing as well you can't have a lavished uh, buffet of mini cheddars like there's a there's a depth of quality as well as the mount that is an interesting thought i like it yes yes you'd never use the word lavished for some sort of bog standard everyday item would you i think it's so helpful this idea of, of Rachel, as you put it, it's not just on or off you've got it or you haven't but it, there's a there's a measure and so you know I think of like Enid Blyton and lashings and lashings of ginger beer. Like that comes to mind, like more ginger beer than you need, uh, could reasonably drink. And uh, I think that's so helpful, isn't it? But like all these things that we've been reading about in terms of, you know, spiritual blessings and what adoption into relationship, uh, redemption, forgiveness is more than we could possibly need. And it keeps on coming. That's what it summons up. And I think I lo- love the different pictures and illustrations we've been drawing out there to communicate that. I'm also feeling rather hungry after the illustrations. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think when you look at the construction of Paul's writing, I think he's trying to draw us into that, isn't he? Because he, he, he doesn't say it was out of God's riches. He said it was according to God's riches that this grace has been lavished on us. And, and I think that's quite interesting because, because, you know, God is, is beyond rich, isn't he? He, he owns it all, you know, every, every solar system, every star, everything, he, he owns it all. So he is infinitely rich. And, you know, if I'm wealthy and I give out of my wealth, well, I might give you a pound. But Paul is very clear, isn't he? He says, according to it, it, the measure, you mentioned the measure, uh, Rachel. So the measure 
is the infinitude of <laughs> his his abundance. He's his an amount that he's got. It's not it's not that he just gives a penny. No, it's according to his riches. You've just said there, Mark. You've made me think because. I guess I was reading it and as I was describing it, I was talking about lavish compared to my needs or lavish to what I could require or I could use. But yeah, the comparative in the sentence is in accordance with his riches and therefore it's lavish from his perspective, not from my perspective. And so, yeah, in terms of quality and quantity, I'm sure that uh, massively supersedes my um, expectation, desire, or, or need in any of those ways. If it's measured against his riches and his quality, that takes it up a whole nother uh, level, whole new dimension in terms of understanding. So, do we undersell the gospel? Is it too good to believe? Are we focused from an earth to heaven perspective rather than a heaven to earth perspective? Because what what we're hearing and what we're reading it, it is beyond what we can comp- comprehend. In fact, I think the Bible tells us that, doesn't it? He does far more than we could imagine or think. And some of us are pretty good in our imagination and thinking, but he goes beyond that. Yeah. I think sometimes it's what we expect from God. We talk in, in Parenting for Faith a lot about sort of how we view God and, and how our kids view God. And I think sometimes we are super grateful when we get grace from God. It's like a, we managed to get, oh, thank you for your grace. Because, you know, we anticipated the slap, but then, oh, we got grace this time. Amazing. And the fact that that this is a key part of who he is, this is according to his riches, he lavishes this grace upon us. I can expect grace from God and I can confidently come to him expecting that grace and that to me is a whole nother thing like adam said to me this week because i had i can't even remember what it was but i was apologizing profusely oh because i had to change the time and i was like i'm so sorry thank you for your grace i'm trying to explain away why and and adam has consistently always shown me grace but i still think at some point that i deserve i deserve the slap and yet i'm so grateful for the for the grace that he's choosing to extend to me this time and, and I am growing in my understanding and appreciation of Adam that I can actually expect grace from him. And when I come to God, I can expect, I can trust in the heart of grace of God when I come to him, um, that I don't have to cross my fingers and hope that I get grace this time, but I can come expectant of a heart of grace from him, which I think is a, a whole different approach for me. Mm. I, I actually, I, told Rachel off for justifying herself. I'm like, you don't need to justify yourself to us. You don't need to give me all the reasons. I trust that you're committed. I know that your heart's for this. And so if someone else has put something in your diary, that's okay. And uh, you don't need to give me six sentences of justification. Like, of course we're going to show you grace. Just tell me it's a problem and we'll move it. And uh, I'm not sure that directly relates to how we should always relate to God, because there is, as we were talking about before, there is power in confessing and all the rest yeah. of it, but the anticipation, the expectation that there will be grace, and that doesn't mean we get let off, like just swept under the carpet, as we were talking about before. There's a there's a process involved. He um, uh, 
I heard a guy, he says, we've just got to stop giving ourselves free passes for stuff that we shouldn't give ourselves free passes for sometimes. It's Terry's point. Grace doesn't mean there's no discipline. Um, However, we should always expect God to be full of grace and abundantly above and beyond, isn't it? That's, I think that's New King James translation of Ephesians 3.20. You were just quoting, Mark. Yeah, there's an expectation of, of coming to a God of grace. And in the introduction to every episode, that we recorded way back while we were still trying to work out what we were doing. I saw, I, I think I used the phrase, have we really understood the grace of God? And so the question you were just asking, Mark, yeah, have we undersold this? Like, is there even more to this than we've thought? And I think the question has to always be yes. If you've got, if lavished is your level and it's in accordance with God's riches in terms of quality and quantity, then there will be always more than you've understood or fathomed. It's the boundless riches of Christ. The answer to our question should always be, uh, no, we we haven't fully understood God's grace. There will always be more. Uh, There's always more to explore and to enjoy. It makes me think also, there will always be grace that we don't even know we're receiving. Because sometimes, you know, if, if you think about a buffet, you're like, you know, there's the stuff that we're eating, but there's so much more that we're not even aware of. And I am... I am constantly aware that there may be grace that I am getting that I don't see, don't notice that is happening behind my back, that God is smoothing ahead of me. And that just sense that I am, I am in a bubble of his grace that he is working on my behalf. He's lavished it beyond what I can notice or see or thank him for uh, because I don't know it. And that, that is so beautiful. Yeah, that's great. There's one more thing I, Oh, sorry, Mark, you go. Yeah, I just wanted to come back to what Rachel said about our expectation of God. I think that's really interesting because, you know, the Bible urges us, doesn't it, to approach the throne of grace in our time of need. With and confidence. So, with, with confidence, that's right. And so so there are some things that uh, we d- we don't need to expect. One of them is punishment. Another would be rejection. You know, the great cry of um, Romans 8, verse 1, there is now therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Um, and, and so I, I think it's a really important thing you've raised, Rach, that actually how we approach, how we expect, actually my expectation of God might even prevent me in my time of need coming to him. And, and so a verse like we're just looking at this moment in time is really important in terms of tearing the curtain open on actually what salvation has brought us, what the cross has done. It has dealt with the punishment. It's dealt with the wrath of God. It, it's dealt with the fact that um, I was reading in 1 Kings 16, again, all the, the requirements of getting into the presence of God has gone. Uh, it's extraordinary that the level of access that we now have been afforded because of the death of Jesus Christ. I, it, 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 I think that's really important. My view of God will determine how much of this lavishness I will receive and enjoy, even though I agree with you. I think God does massive more behind our backs than he does in front of us. I am, I am convinced of that. Whenever I think of, of God, I I. Th- I think of parenting and I think when my kid messes up, I want him to run towards me, not away from me. And I think that that when when I am confident that God will meet me with grace, then when I sin, when I mess up, when I 
when I falter, I'm not busy hiding from his judgment. I'm busy running towards him for his to, to get clean, to reconnect, to to get healed. That sense of that grace facilitates running towards God rather than away from him when we mess up that you know you're confident of your greeting. And that is extraordinary. Yes. Yeah. I think it's so helpful. And I just want to tease one more aspect out before we hit the halfway point. And that is we we've talked lots about the one-to-one. So God, God and me, but the verses lavished on us, there's a corporate element. And I think often we can operate under this comparison uh, mindset with other people. So we can think, oh, either they've received more grace than me uh, and I don't have as much as them. Or we can think, oh, well, I've used up all of my grace because, you know, <laughs> you know, we, 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 we operate in comparison with those around us rather than understanding that it again it's this this lavished the quality and the measure is in regards to all of us yeah i, I don't know whether this falls into the application side or or or, oh. or, or, or not really um but you know my uh, my my personal journey I, I, has brought me to a place where i've realized that because um his Grace is given with all wisdom and insight. In fact, the word prudence is not a word that we would tend to use. Gordon Brown used it a lot, but um, but it, 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 it's, it's a measured grace. So we have this, this um, Adam uses this phrase, drinking from the fire hydrant. I love it. It's, it's, a, it's a great phrase that he uses when I've spoken to him. He says, it's like drinking from the fire hydrant, Mark. Um, but, you know, when God applies his grace to us, it's not birdshot. He doesn't get the shotgun and say, oh, just just, just have it. He actually looks at me. And he says, oh, I know that guy. I know him intimately. I know what he needs. And the application of his grace is pertinent and perfectly matched to who I am. And so, therefore, it should kill, as you say, Adam, it should kill the, um, the whole thing of comparison. And I can come to a place where I can rest in God that though I've been asking and he said no, that's as good as his yes, because he loves me so much that the very thing I'm asking for, perhaps I can't see it, but he knows isn't the best thing for me right now. And it might never be the best thing for me right now. And, and I have to come to that, though, of course, uh, the gospel helps us and says, ask and ask again and keep on asking. But I have to come to that place that God. God is a father who is perfect. And so he can say no. And as his child who knows he loves me without bias, without any a shadow, it says there's no shadow in God, actually means that his no is as good as his yes. And I can applause that. In fact, um, just last week, um, something Sharmini was uh, working through didn't work out. And I brought a bottle of champagne because I'm actually trying to live this, that actually when it was a no, we can celebrate. So we celebrated the no of God with a bottle of champagne. And we didn't drink all the bottle at one go, I'll just say, but we had a <laughs> glass uh, of champagne uh, to celebrate that God had said no, because I am determined to say, no, he loves me so much. I, I can rest in that. Yeah. Yes. It, mm. The grace comes from a father who knows his children 
rather than some faceless bureaucrat that has no idea who you are. The idea of personalised grace is really helpful. Right, let's pause there before we end up in deep into application. And uh, it's time for some halftime oranges. Have we got a theme tune this week? Lockdown, halftime oranges. <laughs> halftime oranges in lockdown. Um, who's going to take this one? Shall I take it? I'll take it. It was my idea that came to me as I was washing up. Halftime oranges. This week, we are going to talk about our lockdown hacks, our tips for surviving lockdown. We're in lockdown 3.0, according to the media in this country right now. And we still will be when you're listening to this, if you're listening after just having downloaded it. It's going to be live in a week or two. Uh, how have you survived or what have you done to help yourself survive these lockdowns so far? We'll take um, profound all the way through to comic in terms of quality of tip. Uh, you can have a couple of goes. Like lockdown tips, what you got? Right, so I'll start. Uh, my lockdown tip, because I did a series of lockdown haircuts and uh, I... <laughs> because <laughs> they were always bad. So it was like this constant trying to fix it till I ended up with almost a shaved head. My lockdown tip for haircuts is if you wet your hair before you go on any Zoom call, then it looks fine because you can't tell the moisture of your hair on Zoom. So I spent a lot of time with huge like, like cow licks and chunks out of my head. But if you wet it before you go online, it looks like a normal haircut. That's my lockdown tip. Brilliant. Mark, like I'm sure, has problems with this. I, I I will add a rider to this one because um, not having much hair, it is quite <laughs> frightening that we have gone into every lockdown just after I've had a haircut. It's extraordinary. I just, in fact, the last one I had, I had, uh, I think, on the day prior, you know, it was announced, wasn't it, suddenly o overnight and and. And I had been the day before. So uh, I'll let you know when I'm going for the next one. Are we saying that, the, like, to service the world, you should grow your hair out into a long ponytail? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, that's, that's, yeah. I'm sure there's a prophetic statement in there somewhere in scripture <laughs> of tying it together. Grow your hair out for us, Mark. Grow it out. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, I think surviving lockdown, I think, um, I think for me, I, I just have to have an order to my day. Uh, and so it sounds funny, but, you know, the alarm is set. Uh, I, I get into the routine of things. Uh, and then I suppose what I've tried to do is learn something new uh, through lockdown. And the, the big thing for me has been um, uh, developing uh, fruit and vegetables um, and, and learning about that and doing that and uh, uh, that that has been that has been good for me. That that would be one of the things. So you've got a vegetable plot now. That's what you're telling us. Yeah, and it was extraordinarily productive. <laughs> it just it just was. Yes, super abundant, good. lavished. One might say, it, lavished. lavished with potatoes and carrots were extraordinary. I you know, <laughs> good Yorkshire soil. I think. What about you, Adam? Um, well. I have um, learnt that um, if I don't go outside in a day, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need fresh air. I need space. 
must get outside every day. And I think for lots of people, you know, especially if you're at a similar time of life to me, you've got homeschool going on, you're working from home, everything's at home. You can easily go a day and not go outside. But I've learned, man, I need to go outside. And that's, that simple thing changes everything. Like five minutes outside, revolutionize an afternoon for me. Wow. Very good. Brill. Well, I hope that somewhere in that combination of tips and hacks, we've helped you. Uh, and uh, we're going to move on to part two. And we're going to ask the question, what does this word and this understanding of lavished, how does that work out in our everyday life? How do we bring it to bear in our sphere of influence that God's grace is lavished upon us? Anybody want to kick us off with a starter for 10? I would like to start off by attempting to say what Mark said, because I wrote it down. Infinititude. Infinititude. Is that right? Okay. I just want everyone to practice at home because that was a fun word to hear him say. And I just can't not say it. Sorry. Little moment. Now let's talk grace and Jesus. Grace. His infinititude. Infinititude. My question was how how my my question was Rachel. Thanks. Thanks. My question was. I'm listening to you. How does this work out in our everyday life? How does it affect how we live that God's grace is lavished upon us? I think for me, it's exposed to how much shame I feel with God still, because I I constantly am thinking I'm going to run out of His grace at any moment. He's going to be this. Is, I've done this 13 times, and He's getting tired of me. And so for me, this this concept that I cannot run out of his grace has exposed to me how many times that I just sit with shame and I feel like I should be better than I am. And so for me, it's really freeing to be like, no, he's not annoyed with me. He's not rolling his eyes at me. He is not um, Hmm. going, oh, what is wrong with this woman? There's this just this sense of this grace and peace for me, has really affected how I learned to live without shame. I'm not ashamed of being imperfect anymore. I'm not ashamed of still being constantly shaped to be like Jesus, and I'm not finished yet. This sense of of, of learning how to be shameless in the good way, I think, has been a journey that I've been on and I'm still on uh, because of this lavishness of grace. I'm not I'm not tiptoeing at the end of it ever. And that's yeah. really impacted my choices. Yeah, that's really helpful, really practical, really honest and freeing. Thanks, Rach. Mark, any thoughts? We are outside of Christ. We are shaped, aren't we, by our environment, by our upbringing, um, by our encounter with authority figures. um, And that can often lead us to this thing that uh, we've mentioned in our earlier discussion about being feeling like an orphan and actually we have this phrase don't we uh, it's not in the bible but it's there in in terms of it's implied an orphan spirit and i think um grace is an absolute threat to the orphan spirit praise god but it if we live with an orphan mentality or poverty uh, mentality then we will not enjoy and we will not throw ourselves into the grace of God. Um, And so some of the things we've just touched upon uh, actually reveal our hearts of whether we believe God is good. Is God good? Is he he good all the time? 
You see, because if, if I'm an orphan, then there are, there are things that um, if, you, if you think generically, I'm making generic statements here about an orphan, a, an orphan often struggles with knowing who they are. <laughs> who am I? Uh, will we'll struggle with the sense of where's my provision coming from? How I trust in relationships when actually I've been orphaned. Um, uh, in classical terms, an orphan has no inheritance and has no heritage. Uh, and so th these things that are, can affect my ability to embrace the grace of God. Uh, and we need that, that, that we need grace to help us receive grace. I think that's, that, that, that's the, the reality of thing. And, and this whole thing of we talk about revelation, sometimes we think, oh, it's all about stars in the sky and things like that. But actually, this is a work of the spirit that we desperately need. So, so if you're listening to this and saying, well, is it too good to be true? Actually, one of the things we need to be asking Father for is a spirit of revelation that we would see and understand, firstly, his amazing nature, his amazing quality, and then the amazing nature of what he has done. And, and I think we meet lots of our brothers and sisters who, who are living in this, they, they are saved, they clearly are saved, so they've come into grace, but their, their backbone is to live them from this list of things that I must do to, to keep myself sweet with God. So uh, for another context, I've been doing some planning around the presence of God and, and, and what that means. But I remember as a child, um, my parents would say, what, what kind of day have you had? And they said, oh, it's been a really good. Did you have a quiet time? Oh, no, I didn't have a quiet. I didn't pray today. So I didn't pray today. So today's gone bad. Now, there's all sorts of things that are wrong about what I've said, but it is many people's reality. I have my quiet time, so I have a good day. Mm. That is completely outside of God's agenda and God's code. We have a quiet time or a devotional time because we love Jesus, because we're enamored with him, because I recognize I need him. It, 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 so, so I think this thing of being an orphan or this thing of the list, um, the, this should blow this out of the water when we realize we have a lavish and generous God who deals with us as an individual, as I said earlier. Um, and, and that my 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 walk with him cannot really be compared with anybody else's walk with him because we're all uniquely made, aren't we? We are all unique. We've all got uniqueness about us in terms of our parenthood, uh, our being parented and, and all of that. So actually the application of grace is, is towards me and, and I, I cannot compare myself with someone else. I, I think... I think, you know, sadly, we do live in a fallen world. Life happens around us that is nasty and ugly, and that can wash over us. But it doesn't remove the reality of this amazing grace uh, that God has for us. I, th I think there's a the word should. I should be better than this. I should be over this. There's a There's like an internal idealized version of what this should look like. And we not only compare ourselves to other people, but we compare ourselves to the idealized version of what we think we should be. 
And that should word just kills the ability to access grace, I think, because we feel like there's an ideal line that it should look like. I, you know, I've, I've should forgive and should move on. I should get over this better. And in that sense, I, I often, when I notice myself or others saying the word should a lot, that that is sort of a, a sign for me that there's some trapping, there's some hindrance to accessing it. Um, so I found that that almost a, a good diagnostic technique for me is, is, is if I or others are using the word should a lot, that can be a flag about whether how I feel about God's grace. Mm. It's it's a transactional word, isn't it? Should mm. like <clears throat> so the the lucky charm of quiet times. I've had a good day. I, I've had a quiet time, so I should have a good day. You know, I did my part. God should do His part, mm. um, and uh, and that's very alien from a father lavishing good things upon children out of love, and children responding out of love as well. Absolutely, we. Um, so we talked about killing shame. We've talked about stopping comparison and securing us uh, in terms of, of how we think. I think that it's worth just trying to uh, cross out a misunderstanding that could come from this word as well, which we've touched on previously. But of course, God lavishing something upon us doesn't mean that we have a superabundance of absolutely everything we could ever want or ask for. That's true, isn't it? Can I get an amen? Amen. Preach. Uh, What does this mean, therefore, is if it isn't, well, God has lavished it. So what did I I want when we did every spiritual blessing? God has lavished this on me, so I should have my Ferrari. Uh, If that's an incorrect view of this, I used the word should, didn't I, which is very interesting, given the point we've just come off the back of. But what has he therefore lavished on us? I think for me, I'm really passionate in, in, in my journey of learning how to how to read scripture, to, that it's so easy to pick up these phrases and go, I love this phrase. And then just in our natural human brains, we end up applying it to different things and then holding God to the weird thing that we've created in our head that we think that he now holds us to. And now we're disappointed in him and he failed us. And we've sort of taken ourselves down this journey. And so in this, in this sentence, it'd be really good to just listen to the sentence again. It says in him, starting at verse seven, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And that sense of, of what is being lavished on us is this, is this deep spiritual redemption, the sacrifice of God, the forgiveness, the grace, all of that is being, is being lavished on us continually. And so while the humanness in us wants it to be, all of God's riches of all of his money will shower upon me whenever I need it, which he sometimes does in his generosity and love. Um, but that this lavishness is for me what is beyond what is what is physical. It is everything that matters, uh, which is the, the forgiveness, the freedom, the, the joy, the grace, and, um, and, and just that, that rigidness to go back and say, this is what scripture promises me, because then I can put my feet on it. If I just pick up a little phrase, then actually I'm creating sand underneath my feet that, um, that can lead me to disappointment. Brilliant. I, yeah. I think that's brilliant, Rachel. I, I think, um, it, it leads me to something else, which is, um, we asked, I asked the question earlier, do we think it's too good to be true? It leads me to the question, do I really value 
the wonder of what Christ has done. Because compared with the Ferrari that we were giving Adam uh, earlier in in these podcasts, um, do I value the material over um, the actual reality of what has been won for us? And and, it, and 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 though we touched on the whole thing of forgiveness, we actually didn't dig very deep into the the realities of sinfulness, did we? We we sort of mentioned it, but we passed on. And I, I really feel that actually, when we look at what we have been redeemed from, forgiven of, that we have been chosen, that we have been adopted into uh, into the family of God, actually. It outweighs all these other things, and and I think that's 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 something that we 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 forget, um, and particularly as we touched on before, you know the the whole thing of uh, the prosperity gospel. I am the most prosperous parent person on the planet because I've come out of darkness. I've come out of light uh, into light. I, I I was a sinner. I am now a saint. My my best day demanded that I should die. That's the reality of our state that we're in. In fact, the Bible says I was dead in my trespasses and sin. Now, now actually, the, the lavishness of God's grace has ripped me out of all of that. It's transformed me and made me a new creation, made me an equal with Jesus in relationship with God. And, and, and now God is my father. The maker of heaven and earth is my dad. And I and, and I think when we underplay sin when we underplay where we were then of course our mind immediately runs to the material and and even though there are some lovely things houses are lovely things you know to be without a house is a dreadful thing to be on the street is an appalling situation to be in being deprived enough not to be able to choose you know to have to choose heat over food or food over heat these are awful things to live in a, in a nation where you have to walk 10 miles just to get dirty water. These are mm. dreadful things. But to us who know Jesus, who by his grace has found us, these are passing troubles. However horrible they are, they are passing troubles. Because one day for eternity, we're going to stand before him in, in this place that we don't understand but this glorious place called heaven. And so therefore th- this becomes uh, a massive thing uh, to what is, what is my comparison to this lavish grace? It should not be a, a casual thing. Oh yeah. Okay. It's lavish grace. No, actually the grace of God is this enormous, rich, magnificent reality that's been poured upon our lives. Uh, and it outweighs any Ferrari, Adam. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I don't know, Mark. That's, that's I agree, but whew, that's a that's a bold statement. It is. It is a bold statement. But I think this is where Paul is is comparing things, isn't he? Because yeah. Paul had everything, didn't he? He was he was a bright boy. He was the superstar of the Pharisees. He had position and place, and clearly he had power because they gave him yeah. letters to to arrest people, to put them in prison, to kill them. He had extraordinary yeah. power and and so much fear he generated of course when he got saved they didn't yeah. the christians didn't want want him around them the only yeah. people that had the wisdom was the apostles who who said yeah. oh yeah 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 he's, he's okay but so he had extraordinary power but he says i count that all rubbish compared yeah. to the surpassing worth 
of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's that is extraordinary. So, so comforting and so powerful because that's what lasts. Whether you have a lot of money or no money, there are times where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to eat. And yet the God of the universe is sitting with me and loving me and calling me to him. And there's there's something that lifts it off the physical when you embrace the lavishness of grace. And and they often actually the physical is an unhelpful hindrance. And so what you see by some of the amazing moves of God going on around in the world right now is that they're taking place in areas where people don't have much at all. And so there's you know various countries within Africa where there's incredible moves of God going on right now among people who have nothing. Uh, you know, the rural China where an incredible revival has been seen over the past couple of decades. People had nothing. And it actually often for us in the West, where the material is so important and so valuable and so prominent, it's an enormous distraction that stops us actually accessing the true value of this grace that we're talking about. Well, like some of the best times in my life with God are some of the worst times in my life physically when I had cancer, when I was in a you know church situations where it was horrific. There are so many situations where I'm like, that's where I felt God. That's where I felt the sharpness of the gospel. That's where I felt the power of his grace. And then you emerge into, into not living on the edge and needing him. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, have I talked to God today? Like this sense, Mm. like the Israelites, you know, God called the time in the desert, the honeymoon period, this time of, you know, the Israelites desert was this beautiful time where they learned to rely on God. And then they entered the promised land. And that's when they began to have problems in their, in their connection with him. And I, I, that's what I think is so powerful about grace is it's, it's beyond and it's exposed in the physical need. Sorry, I get passionate. Very no, it's, it's great. And I think we, we could continue on this note. Uh, I want to just finish by reading some verses from later on in Ephesians 1, because I think it so helpfully ties together lots of what we've been talking about in terms of revelation and um, lavishness. And so let me let me just read a few verses. And then, Rachel, if you'd like to pray for us off the back, that would be great. Paul... <clears throat> continues in Ephesians 1, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion in every name, in the present age, but also in the one to come. And uh, and it goes on and we could go on, but there is something here of, no, this is vast, And we need the spirit to help us grasp it. But as we do, we're able to live with grace and hope and power and holiness. And uh, this isn't just a woolly session. This isn't just uh, an emotive word. This is this is a vital key in our understanding about God and the Christian life. So I hope you've enjoyed being with us today. Rachel, pray that God does this in us for us, please, as we come into land. God, you are awesome and mighty and powerful. And I thank you 
that you are beyond all we can imagine or dream of. Thank you for inviting us in to stand close to you and stand in you and and abide in you that we may be surrounded by your grace. God, I pray that as we go through this week, that you would that you would poke our brains, that as we cook, there'll just be a moment of reminding us of a moment in our life where you were with us and extended that grace to us, that we may see that your grace has woven into our daily lives, that you would stir our hearts in ways to step into your grace more, that you may show us where your grace is in our lives, that we may look around and see that that like the very air we live in, we live in your grace and how powerful and mighty it is. Reach our eyes, God, off the physical, that we may see you and see you well, that we may run towards you. Thank you for lavishing your grace upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wonderful. Thanks for today, guys. Next week, we shall move on to verse 10, which is the continuation, really, of this section in Ephesians chapter 1, looking at how God's plan is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. We hope you can join us then. All three of us will be back for that conversation. In the meantime, you might like to review us on whichever podcast platform you're listening. Reviews really help us with visibility. As always, wouldn't mind, five stars. Uh, You might like to send this on to someone you know who would like or benefit from listening in, having the grace of God explained and gone over again and again in their lives. Um, And I'm sure there's a third thing that I always ask you to do, but I can't remember it. So hopefully you can remember it. And uh, we'll look forward to you joining us next time out. Mark, Rachel, thanks so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Don't forget to say infinitude a lot this week. (laughs) And goodbye to you, the listener, too. See you next time.